indeed. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, so I promised myself I would not make any jokes about 2020 and how hard it has been because um, it's too easy. Instead, I just want us to think back. Do you remember where you were last January about this time? Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was 31. I had a full head of hair. Um, one joke. One joke. Um, right. Uh, but I think this is a good time to think about what we've learned. And as I it, like end this year and turn the page to the new year, I find myself just reserving judgment a little bit, not being optimistic, not being pessimistic. Just let's just wait and see. And more than anything else, I find this thing in my heart that I just I long to not be controlled by my circumstances. I don't know if you can relate to that. We were not made for that, to just be pushed around by what's happening uh, around us. I, I long for the sort of life that could rise above the headlines and the stories that I find myself surrounded by. I'm comforted by this. The New Testament talks about that sort of life a lot. It's called the kingdom of God. And in fact, the New Testament was written by people, and it was written to people who longed and desperately needed to rise above their circumstances. That's why we study the scriptures. That's why it's so vital to our faith. One of the best books that teaches us to live that way is this letter from, first, uh, from Peter, we call First Peter. It is all about rising above and reframing the stories that we find ourselves in to find the true story that God invites us into. It is about our longing and our destiny to not be controlled by what's happening to us, not to, to be controlled by our circumstances, but to be controlled by the ever-expanding kingdom of God. And I cannot think of a better book to start this year, 2021, off with than First Peter. So today what we're going to do, we're going to look at chapter one. We're going to go through the whole chapter. It's the last scripture. We're going to get through all of it. Um, and we are going to set up this book that we're going to spend the next month and a half studying together. You know, uh, Peter is a guy that we know a lot about biblically. Uh, his name was actually Simon. It was Jesus who changed his name to Peter. Uh, and I don't know if there's one character, in my opinion, who has more revealing interactions with Jesus than Peter. You see Jesus and Peter interacting, and it's like you see into Peter's soul. You just get to understand a little bit about who the man is. Peter met Jesus when he was really young. He ran a fishing business with his brother Andrew and the Zebedee boys, James and John. Um, and what's obvious when you meet Peter, like from the first moment, you see Peter is a guy who had a strong story at work in his life, meaning he, he was very assertive, he saw the world in a particular way, and, and we don't know exactly what that way was, he doesn't ever tell us, but we can kind of piece it together through th some themes and uh, through some interactions that he had with Jesus, because Jesus is frequently having to correct him and say, no, 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 it's not like that, it's like this, and give him some instruction. I would say it this way, Peter had a strong story at work in his life, and Jesus came along and gave him a new story, and said, this actually is the true story of your life. A few examples. Um, the first moment we see Peter and Jesus interacting, uh, Jesus tells Peter, hey, go put your boat out in the deep water, throw your nets back out, you're going to catch a bunch of fish. And Peter is like, don't tell me how to fish. I've been fishing my whole life. We've already been out there. We're not going to catch anything. And Jesus says, just do it. 
So he does it, and he catches all these, like this huge amount of fish, and he, he, is, he is amazed, and the Bible says he's terrified because it's so unexpected, and he leaves everything to follow Jesus. And right off the bat, you see Jesus kind of reframing something for him, and he leaves all this stuff behind, but he doesn't leave his story behind. He takes that with him. It was the way Peter viewed himself. It was the way Peter viewed the world, the way Peter viewed Jesus. Um, Jesus constantly had to say to Peter, hey, you're not seeing this clearly. This is actually the story of God you're living in. I think Jesus, he had to deal with a lot of false stories that Peter believed. Peter believed false stories about uh, the Messiah, for instance. Peter constantly was pushing Jesus because he felt like the Messiah should never suffer. The Messiah should be a conquering king who makes everything right. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the story that we are in, Peter. Let me clarify that for you. Peter had a false story about himself. Peter thought very highly of himself sometimes. And then there's other times where Peter thinks very lowly of himself. And in both cases, Jesus has to kind of correct him and say, no, 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 that's not really the story. But regardless, Peter was thinking about himself a lot. And we see something in Peter's life that is true for all of us. This is what makes his writing so relevant. Jesus has to redeem the false stories we believe. He has to. We are all full of stories that are not actually true. And Peter was full of stories that were kind of true, but not really true. And Jesus had to redeem them and give him a new story. You remember uh, the story of Peter on the mountain uh, when Jesus was, tr was transfigured, and suddenly Jesus' glory is revealed, and Elijah and Moses show up. And Peter, in uh, like a bonehead moment, he interrupts their conversation to say, hey, Let's build some tents. He just wanted to hang on to this moment. And God himself has to interrupt Peter and say, no, you're missing it. And he actually says, listen to my son. Or you think about uh, when Jesus was walking on the water and Peter sees Jesus out there. And he's like, well, I want to do that too. So he, he gets out on the water. But suddenly as he looks around, his story is about the wind and the waves and the storm. And he starts to drown. And Jesus rescues him. And when he gets him back to the boat, he says, why did you doubt the story was one of faith in me? Or you think about Peter in the upper room. Uh, he's so full of confidence on that night before Jesus was crucified. He says, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. And by the way, Jesus, I'm never going to deny you. And Jesus says, no, that's not the story. In fact, I am going to wash your feet because I want you to learn something about leadership. And you are going to deny me because I want you to understand your worth. And then you see a few days later when Jesus meets Peter on this beach. And he says, let me tell you the story that you're actually in. Peter. And he brings it all home for him. He says, it is a story of my grace for you, not of your love for me. That's the story that you're in. Your performance, your love for me doesn't earn my grace. My grace is given to you. And because of that, I'm going to entrust you with all of these people that have been following me. And I need you to feed my sheep because of my grace for you. That's your story. And we turn the page and we see finally, that story begins to take root in Peter's heart. And what happens? He starts leading the church in Acts. Uh, he, he starts doing the same thing for the church that Jesus always did for him, telling them the real story that they are caught up in. 
So now, towards the end of his life, uh, he writes this letter called 1 Peter, and he's writing it to the church. He's doing the same thing that Jesus always did for him. It's the early 60s AD. This is about 30 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, He's going to be martyred just a few years after he writes this, and he's in Rome, and he's trying to shepherd the people of God, saying, let me help you understand the story that you're in, because your circumstances might be misleading you. I think what we see from Peter is this. Peter had a strong story at work in his life. Jesus gave him a new story. And now Peter wants to give us a new story to replace all those false stories we have in our life. That's what this letter is about. I cannot think of a better place to start this year. Find your way to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to look at the whole chapter today. Uh, We're going to zip through it. There's a lot to cover, but here's the question that I just want us to observe or just the thing that I want us to notice. How is Peter inviting his readers to see the true story that God has invited them into? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter writes, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So first thing we have to understand about this letter and why it was written, it was written for a reason. This is not just a letter because he has some things to share, but this is a reaction to something that was happening to these people in these regions. The people in these regions were suffering. They were struggling with those who didn't believe in Jesus. They were struggling with some persecution, and Peter's going to talk a lot about the pressures that they felt to conform to this world that was harassing them. That's why he wrote this letter. And he calls them exiles, elect exiles. What does that mean? It means that they're not from this place. And I think he's starting to weave the true story for them because he realizes this is a moment where things have turned against these people and they're probably tempted to believe my community has turned against me. My nation has turned against me somehow. And so Peter says, no, 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 that's not your story. That is not your story. Your story is this is not actually your community. The true story of your life is this is not your nation. It's not. You are citizens of the kingdom of God. You're just spending some time in this place as exiles. So Peter's going to try to teach them how to live as exiles in this place where they're being a little bit harassed. Look at verse 3. Blessed be to God, or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. 
Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, I know that's a lot. He says a lot there. But can we just step back for a second and see what he's doing? Uh, he, he is weaving this story because he understands that his readers might be tempted to think of themselves as this poor, persecuted group. And he's saying, no, 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 that's not your story. Your story is you're the group that has been given something extraordinary. That's who you are something imperishable, something undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven. It's yours. It's truly yours. But also, it's not quite yet realized fully. And so because of that, there might be some trials, there might be some tests that you have to tolerate. But those things in your life, those struggles that you're experiencing, they're actually producing something in you that is more valuable than all the gold in the world. It's the most valuable thing that you could have, and you have it. That's your true story, he says. He continues, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. And again, this might be a little confusing, but the, here's the point he's driving at. He's saying, hey, you know all those Old Testament prophets? Hey, you know the angels who serve God? That's what they do? They all serve and were longing for the thing that you know, the thing that the Holy Spirit himself revealed to you. What you've been given in Jesus was the whole point, and you have it. It's as if uh, all creation was like building to this moment where God would reveal his plan. And the plan was Jesus, the plan was grace. The Holy Spirit revealed that to these people and they're struggling right now, but Peter says, listen, don't forget what you have. Our story is the story of that plan, the plan for all humanity. That's what we're caught up in. That's the true story of our lives. Now he's gonna challenge them in light of that. Look at verse 13. Therefore... In light of this amazing story we're caught up in, prepare your minds for action. Being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him, his Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope 
are in God. I know that's a lot. It's a beautiful passage. We could spend weeks on it. But I just want to take a step back and see the story that Peter is weaving. He says, listen, you've been given this precious gift. Like, you know the truest truth in all reality. That was entrusted to you. And it's this, that God ransomed us from sin and death with the blood of his very life. He included us in his story. And Peter says, therefore, because of that, conform your life to that new story. Don't allow your life to be crammed into the story that the world around you is telling you, but conform your life to that new story. And he says, be holy, which can feel like an intimidating sort of command. He doesn't mean be perfect here, but he means be set apart, be different. Allow your conduct, allow the way that you uh, conduct your business, that you interact with other people, the, the, the way you post on social media, allow it to be set apart and different because of the story that you are in. That's what he's going to teach us. That's what this letter is about, is how do you live that way in a world that is challenging you and trying to fit you into its mold. He closes with this. Verse 22, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. That's the end of the chapter. So he ends this beautiful chapter. He's talking about the promises of God. He's talking about what we have in the gospel with this just really polite reminder that you're going to die soon, right? We're like grass, we wither, we die. But because of the imperishable word of God, you will live eternally. And so the big picture of chapter one that we're going to trace this thread throughout the entire book uh, is that the central narrative of the story that you and I are living is the gospel of God's grace for us. And when we are tempted to be distracted by the story that our circumstances is telling, by the story of the headlines around us, or by, more likely by the story that some other broken human wants to tell us about ourselves, Peter wants us to reorient our life around the gospel. We have this thing that every human longs to have. We have been caught up in a good story, in an imperishable story. And regardless of how it may look right now in this moment, we know how this thing ends. It is a good story for us. You know, I think here's the question. We're going to ask this again and again in this uh, letter. Uh, Peter's writing and really his life begs this question. What is the story at work in your life? What is it? What is the story that's driving your life? And what's the true story that God actually wants you to see? You know, the thing about the stories we embrace is they start to control us. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that, but like, like this last year was a hard year. And also, everyone saying it's a hard year makes us focus on the hard parts about the year, right? That is the story of 2020. 
And whether you personally had a hard year or not, I bet you're thinking about what makes this last year hard because that's what we're all talking about is the story that we've collectively embraced. The stories we embrace, they start to control us. And Peter says, he's telling us, let this story of the gospel that you have be the one that controls you. See how that story is different than the other stories that you may have embraced and have been carrying your whole life. What is the story at work in your life? And what's that true story that God actually wants you to see? That's the question of this book. So I thought what we'd do today is just to kind of close us out and to launch into this new year is we would just start this year by telling you the story of your life, the true gospel story of your life. That's what Peter's challenging us with is to find ourselves in that story. So I want tell, to tell you your story here, if I, it can be so presumptuous. So get, get comfortable, maybe close your eyes, I don't know, lean back. Um, I just want you to listen to the true story that God wants you to see about your life. Here's how it goes. Once upon a time, there was you. There was you. And while you were growing in your mother's womb, God himself was thinking about you. He was thinking about who you were going to be. He was thinking about all the things that you were going to face in your life. And he saw it all. He saw all the trouble you would face. He saw all the sins you would commit, all the stuff you'd struggle with. He saw all the wounds that you would carry from people who mistreated you. And even so, he loved you. He loved you deeply and he looked at you and he declared, you are very good. I'm well pleased with her. I'm well pleased with him. And then he looked at all your troubles. He looked at all your sins. He looked at all your hurts. And God thought to himself, what is the one thing that I can give this person that would give them the best chance of experiencing everything I've created them to be? And I'm sure for a second, maybe he thought, uh, Maybe I'll just make sure that you never suffered. That you were never hurt by anybody. But he realized that to give you that, he would have to take you out of the world to prevent suffering and pain. Because broken people who love other broken people experience suffering and pain. And he didn't want to rob you of your life. So he decided instead to give you a real life with all of the goodness that comes with it and with all the pain that comes with it. Then for a second he thought, oh, maybe I'll just make it so that they'll never be able to sin. So they'll never be able to hurt themselves. But again, he realized that to do that, he'd have to take something away from you. He'd have to take away your freedom. And even though he knew that you'd use your freedom to reject him and go your own way and sin, he also knew that that freedom would be totally necessary for you to truly know and experience his redeeming love. Because he didn't want to rob you of a chance to know his love, he made you free. Free to choose. 
And so looking at you, knowing who you are before you were born, knowing who you were made to be, knowing what you would face, knowing how you would sin, how you would struggle, he gave you the best possible gift he could give you. He wrote you into his story of grace. He decided one day there would be a moment over the course of your life that he would tell you the truest deepest truth of all reality that we call the gospel. He decided to entrust you with that truth. And instead of preventing your pain or taking away your freedom to sin, he actually gave you something better than those things, something imperishable, something that actually will last forever. He gave you his grace. He gave you this truth that Jesus Christ, God incarnate, came for us. He died for us. And he rose to redeem every last thing on this earth and every last thing in your life. And now he's keeping track of every tear you shed in grief, every tear you shed in frustration so that he can redeem it. And now he is not keeping track of any sin you commit because you've been forgiven, covered with the blood of Christ. Your sin is gone. And God decided that he wanted you to be written into that story of grace so that you wouldn't be controlled by the circumstances of your life, so that that wouldn't be the story of who you are, so that you could find yourself in his story. And he hoped that in that you would find purpose to your pain, that you would find freedom from your sin, and he hoped that you would finally come to terms with how much he loves you. And instead of wishing for a pain-free, sinless life, he hoped that you'd realize that his grace and love is better than a pain-free, sinless life. And that as you grew into his story of grace, you'd help others find it too. And so I think your story is this, is that once upon a time there was you and there was this God who loved you enough to think specifically about what you would need and to write you into his imperishable story. Your true story is the story of someone who is totally loved and who is being totally redeemed. That's your story. And my hunch is just like me and just like Peter, You've grabbed onto some stories that your circumstances told you. My hunch is that just like me and just like Peter, you may have grabbed onto some false stories that somebody told you. And just like Peter and just like me, Jesus is here to give you a new story. Your story is that of the beloved of God, and you are invited to carry that story into the suffering world that's so full of false stories. Maybe today you're realizing that for the first time. It's for the first time you've awoken to that story that the gospel is for you, that there's this God who forgives you and loves you. I really love that line Peter wrote, though you have not seen him, you love him. That's all the people reading 
Peter's letter. They hadn't seen him. That's also all of us. We haven't seen this Jesus. But even so, we can know him. We can love him. We can receive his forgiveness. Becoming a Christian is just about embracing that story that the gospel is for us, inviting Jesus into our life to forgive us, to make us new. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe that's what you need to do. And maybe today's not the first time. Maybe today's just the next time you've awoken to this story. You know, Peter, we read in the Gospels, he had to be invited into that story again and again and again by Jesus and us too. We need those moments where we realize again that my life and that my story, it is about the good news of his grace. Because we keep running back to those false stories, don't we? Are you hanging on to a false story in your life, like something that Jesus never told you? Something that's hurting you? Let this season, as we study this book, let it be a, a season of setting down that story for good, walking in this new story of grace, grace for you, grace for others. You know, wherever you find yourself, whatever stories you're wrestling with, just know you're in good company today. Uh, I mean, we have all believed false stories about ourselves. And as we journey through this letter, we're going to be led by this man, Peter, who had really strong false stories at work in his life. And Jesus took him and gave him this story of grace. And that became the dominant story in his life. And he can do that for us too. My prayer is that by the end of this story, we will find ourselves living a new story just like Peter did. Let's pray. Lord, we, we just recognize sometimes we don't even know where our stories, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about you, we don't even know where that stuff totally comes from, God. But we do know this, that you have something better for us. You have something just for us a story that you're writing in our lives, God, and we want to embrace it. We want to walk in it with you. We want to stop running back to those false stories we believe about who we are. Lord, would you lead us over these next few weeks? Would you free us from the circumstances of our lives? Would you free us from the things that people have told us and maybe the things that we would even tell ourselves? And would you free us to live in your story? 